0: Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. I'm recording today under partial lockdown from my home outside New York, and I'm joined today by my colleague Steve Malanga remotely as well. Steve is our senior editor at City Journal and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's joining us from his home in New Jersey, which has its own stay-at-home order in place as well. Uh, It's been a difficult couple of weeks here in the New York metro area, as I imagine it's been for many of our listeners, Uh, but the City Journal team has been hard at work, and if you visit our homepage, you can find our extensive coverage of the crisis. Over the last week, City Journal has published uh, a long series of articles on the situation, uh, including Seth Barron on reforms to help uh, New York City's hospitals fight the outbreak, Nicole Jelinek on the prospect of a fe- federal bailout for the region's transit system, uh, Guy Sormon on why he holds the Chinese Communist Party guilty of starting the pandemic, uh, the virologist Peter Kolchinski on vaccine development, uh, the Italian professor Flavio Felice on his experience living under quarantine in his hard-struck home country, and much, much more. Uh, we've we've created a landing page or vertical on the website where you can find all of our coronavirus-related articles, which we'll link to in the description. We're recording today on today's 10 Blocks to talk with Steve about his contribution to the COVID-19 coverage, the crisis's impact on budgets. Uh, Steve, thanks very much for joining us.
1: I guess you could say it's my pleasure to be here. (laughs) I'm not quite sure under these circumstances. (laughs)
0: Uh, Now, as as we're speaking, states across the country are spending or they're preparing to spend an enormous amount of money to fuel the resources to fight the coronavirus. And of course, uh, there are shutdowns across the nation in many cities and many states uh, to try to contain its spread, which is having a pretty big economic impact. All of this is is, uh, understandable. When you combine the shutdowns and the spending with the loss of tax revenues from tourism, sports arenas, conventions, along with what we've seen, at least until today, on the stock market, it's looking like this will be a real problem, a big disaster for state and local budgets everywhere. Uh, Before we get into that, though, how how were the budgets looking before COVID-19? They've been spending years kind of re- rebuilding from the Great Recession of 12 years ago now. What was it looking like right before this, this uh, viral pandemic?
1: Well, the last two or three years have been crucial because essentially the recovery almost for a decade after the Great Recession was the slowest recovery of state and local tax revenues really since World War II. And as a result, it took states on average until 2016 to get back on an inflation-adjusted budget to where they had been in 2007. So that's a pretty big hit. But these last three years have been much better, and including the gains in the stock market, which have really helped state pension funds, states were in much better shape. Um, The problem now is that... um, After this long uh, expansion, which was mediocre for so for so long, you could say that their fiscal position is um, certainly better than it was, let's say, three years ago, when people were, uh, uh, you know, worried that a new recession might be just around the corner. Um, But it's nowhere in a position to uh, compensate for the level of shutdown of economic activity that we're starting to see. And so, literally every day states are coming out with new projections about how much money they can lose. And in particular, what we're seeing is it's fairly broad because if you're a state that relies on tourism, for instance, that's one thing that's taken a hit. If you're a state that relies on, um, let's say financial markets, that's something else that's taken a big hit. If you're a state that relies on energy, that's a third thing that's taken a big hit. So um, it's, it's gonna be pretty difficult for any state to uh, escape this, uh, this this bloodbath that's occurring right now.
0: Certain states uh, tax environments uh, will will be a problem here too those in particular that rely heavily on high earners right?
1: Yeah so basically what's happened is you know uh, over the years some states have um, have uh, added a lot of progressivism to, to their tax uh, um, uh, structures. They tax people at higher rates people who earn more money. Um, those kinds of tax structures are just inherently more volatile. We saw this in 2008, for instance, um, when California lost uh, during the financial meltdown of 2008, it basically saw its tax uh, income tax revenues alone shrink by $7 billion. That's a really big hit for a state to take because you know states really, state governments aren't in a position to deal with that kind of volatility because they have to keep providing services in a a steep recession like that. So you have a bunch of states, in particular uh, New York, uh, Connecticut, and uh, California, which are extremely susceptible to uh, the kind of downturn that we're seeing now, particularly the really big slump in the stock market. California in particular gets a substantial amount of its revenue from high income earners from what's known as capital gains and capital gains meaning basically when you make a big gain in the stock market and then you sell your stock you know that's counter, that's tax and so uh, it's estimated for instance that for people in California who earn over a million dollars a year as much as 25% of their income comes from capital gains Well, with the decline in the stock market, those capital gains have just vanished. They're just gone, you know, that income is just gone. And in fact, many of these people might actually be taking losses and therefore will be looking for deductions on their uh, income tax uh, uh, rather than uh, paying, you know, hefty capital gains tax. So that's a very big number and uh, it's gonna affect New York and California particularly hard.
0: You mentioned oil states. Uh, What's the picture look like there? And uh, what's going on apart from the COVID crisis uh, to drive down oil prices?
1: Well, it's related because essentially what happened was as soon as, eco- as soon as we saw economic activity starting to shut down around the world, particularly things like, you know, again, airlines not flying uh, and other kinds of transportation, you know, tourism taking a hit, uh, oil prices started declining. Then Saudi Arabia and Russia got into essentially a, uh, a price war, which drove down the the, the numbers uh, much further. Uh, what we have is we have states uh, around the country where, where they produce a lot of energy now. You know, America has become the leading producer of um, of oil and natural gas over the last decade. But many of the states, like New Mexico, Alaska, Texas, Oklahoma, they essentially Oil is so important to them that they essentially in their budgets project what they think oil will be over the next year. Most of the projections are in the $50, $55 to $60 a barrel range, but oil has been trading down below $25 a barrel. It's just sunk basically in the last couple of months. So that's going to mean tens of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars um, in oil. Less in oil revenues. Alaska projects that if the um, if prices don't recover substantially uh, next year, they could lose half a billion dollars in um, uh, in oil revenue. Um, Texas, uh, one Texas uh, taxpayer group says that every one dollar drop in a barrel in the, the price of a, a barrel of oil. Uh, cost them $85 million in uh, tax revenues. And again, uh, the, the prices dropped between 25 and $30. So that's a, that's a lot of $85 millions when you
0: start doing the math. Wow. Uh, towards the end of your piece, you, uh, you shift to the question of pension systems. And they really raise some of the biggest challenges that states are going to face from this downturn. Uh, why, why don't we talk a little bit about that? What's that picture looking like?
1: Well, the problem was again. This was a picture that was not looking very good even before the, you know, uh, uh, what's going on now. And essentially, what happened is, you know, in two thousand and seven, um, state pensions were on average about eighty-seven percent funded. Then you had this deep decline uh, in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine, and even though we subsequently had an 11-year economic expansion and an 11-year bull market, uh, state pensions didn't recover. Uh, they were probably somewhere. We don't have exact numbers on like day to day, but so it always takes six months or so for the numbers to come in. But even with the with the rise in the market that we had seen to to new heights, they were probably about 75% funded. Uh, before this dramatic drop in the marketplace. So you already have a situation where you had a long recovery and a long bull market, and yet the pension systems had not been able to make up a substantial chunk of what they lost during 2008 and 2009. People ask me why this is the case because, of course, the market recovered and went well beyond where it had been even back in 2007. But what happens essentially, is um, a lot of these pension systems are uh, are um, they're they're designed in a way that the money is two-thirds of the money almost is supposed to come from assets that are in the system itself. Once you have a tremendous decline in assets, like we saw in two thousand and eight, and like we're seeing now, What happens is that cities and states are supposed to then put more money into the system. The way the system works is the the new calculation says, okay, now you have to make up for some of this by putting more taxpayer money in. Well, the problem is that a recession, like we're in the process of experience now, is pretty much the worst time for cities and states to put more money into the system because they simply don't have it. They're spending it on other things or their tax revenues are declining. As a result of that, you know, rather than increasing Uh, contributions. Cities let them and states let them lag. And so, you know, they, they, they have a harder and harder time catching up. Now we're in a situation where we've seen this tremendous decline in the market. And unless it really bounces back quickly... We're probably, once we do the numbers, we're probably going to say that on average, state pension funds are only maybe 65% funded or so. That's really a very troubling number because it means that probably a dozen or so pensions, the worst funded pensions, are down below 50%. Problem with this, again, is it's almost becomes you're, you're, you're essentially spinning your wheels in place because the lower the funding goes, the larger the amount of money you're supposed to put into the system. The amount of money that that some states like New Jersey or Illinois are supposed to be putting into the system have increased so much that the states can't keep up with it. They're not. They're not. When they even when their uh, uh, tax revenues recover, they don't recover enough to allow the states to increase their level of contributions to the point that would actually start cutting down on the debt. And so you're just in this cycle where it's a, it's a downward spiral, what I call you know one step forward during a recovery and two steps backwards during the next recession. So there are a bunch of states, Kentucky, Illinois, Connecticut, New, uh, New Jersey, in, in particular, that are in this position and they're really caught in a downward spiral. And if you look at the math, it's very, very hard to see how they actually can ultimately fix this because they're just essentially swimming upstream and uh, they don't have enough uh, uh, enough power in their strokes at this point.
0: What uh, what happens in a case like that if, um, you know, I guess you, they muddle along for a while, but are we looking at federal bailouts? Or are we?
1: Uh... I mean, we're really an unprecedented territory right here. There have been uh, a state, uh, mostly city pension systems that have failed uh, and become insolvent. Uh, very few of them have ever been bailed out. Um, we, you know, the um, there's a lot of talk about what happens to a state pension system that becomes insolvent, um, uh, you know, it, and we don't even really know how, let's say, a court would, would rule on a case like this. Um, uh, we're, we're really in uncharted territory. I really doubt that we're going to see federal bailouts of this sort because the whole talk of bailing out pension systems for states that have um, not adequately funding their systems does not play very well in Washington among representatives of states that uh, have put the money aside and that don't have this problem. Um, Many of these, um, uh, many of the congressional representatives from these states, both Democrats and Republicans, have said over the years, um, our constituents don't want us bailing out other states when we've paid our bills. So uh, we'll have to see what happens, but we really are on uh, unprecedented territory in that respect.
0: More broadly, and uh, as you say, we are in uncharted territory. What What's going to need to happen to get this uh, ship righted more broadly uh, post-crisis?
1: Well, you know, first of all, the states are going to definitely look to Washington for some aid. They've already, they've already, Washington has already determined they're going to help out the, uh, the Medicaid program, which is the joint state and federal health care program. Um, and they are putting, mo- Washington is also putting money aside to help, uh, broadly speaking, uh, states ramp up their health care systems. Uh, we did, of course, during the um, in the, in the aftermath of uh, 2008 and 2009, we did have a federal stimulus bill for states and cities that was about $250 billion. I'm, I'm expecting a, a, another stimulus bill, but that's gonna be a battle in Washington. Um, you know, In 2009, when we had the last stimulus bill, we had a, um, uh, a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president. Now we have a split Congress, a divided Congress and the president is a Republican, Uh, I think that they'll offer aid that's very targeted, but the idea, for instance, that they'll just give states unlimited amounts of money to do things like put into their pension system, I I believe is off the table. So they might do things like saying, specifically, this is money that you can use to... to keep your schools open, to keep uh, to to make sure you don't um, you have adequate levels of services in your schools or your basic municipal services. But I don't think that some of the other things that's some of the other um, uh, funding crises that states are going to face would it would be something that Washington's going
0: to designate money for. Thanks, Steve. Don't forget to check out Steve Malanga's piece at City Journal. It's called "The Crisis's Impact on Budgets." You can find it on our website, along with a lot of other coronavirus-related material. We'll link to it in the description. You can follow City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal, and on Instagram, at City Journal underscore mi. Remember, you can email us at podcast at city-journal.org if you've got any questions or suggestions. And always, if you like what you've heard on the podcast, please give us a, a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thanks very much, Steve, for joining us.